Welcome to the Five More Minutes Podcast. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back. Our little pause has come to an end um, because if you remember our last podcast, my wife was due. Um, and so since then, um, I have, we have a daughter. We have a daughter. Little Meta is her name, Meta. Um, and she has joined our family. And so she, we're now a month in. And so now I'm going back and being like, okay, got to catch up on my podcast. So uh, we're going to do a little bit of catch up today. And if you remember where we left off last time, um, we are following along some cohorts in Washington who are um, looking at kind of creating and influencing some systemic change in terms of inclusion in their schools and their classrooms and contexts. And, and we're doing that by following the five P's. And so the podcast for this year have been really aligned to that. And so the first two were released around presuming competence and um, around place. And so today we're talking about peers, the third P. Um, before we start digging into that, um, I would like to acknowledge that I am joining you from the traditional ancestral and unceded territory of Squamish Nation, specifically Nequilicum, which is today known as Bowen Island. And I got to tell you, that um, it's always been really important to me. Um, no, that's not true, actually. Um, it's it, As I started my reconciliation journey, it was very important to me to acknowledge the land um, because I didn't grow up knowing about residential schools. And so, you know, in my professional career, um, it's I, I find that acknowledging the place where I am is really important. But I got to tell you, like, the, the sense and emphasis I feel in my reconciliation journey and acknowledgement has really been emphasized now that I'm a parent like a set I have this this new sense of responsibility that I just like I didn't even know existed and you know someone said something to me once they're just like you know a big part of parenthood is to teach your children the things that you were never taught and that just like I think about it every day now that I have this like daughter this beautiful daughter and understanding that you know i i now feel this really important sense of responsibility to teach her about the history of this country and especially of the place that she's going to be growing up on and and so it's kind of like really brought a new perspective to understanding and then also um i know we're kind of going back in time a bit but but as i record this this is also the week where we found out the devastating news um, about um, the children's remains that were found in Kamloops. And so I just have this like heavy, heavy heart as many of us do, but also this like, oh God, this found sense of urgency around social justice and equity and reconciliation. Um, and so like just all of these things are coming together. And so as we have these conversations, you know, what keeps getting, I keep getting reminded of is how, you know, like we're devoting our life um, to inclusion and how we cannot be inclusive without acknowledging um, how inc the inclusion's role in reconciliation and <laughs> understanding the role of reconciliation in the in the quest of inclusion. And so they really go together hand in hand, um, if not informing each other. And so I just really, I just really wanted to acknowledge uh, my ev evolution from that perspective, um, because I think all of us are really reflecting on what our role is as settler and descendants of settlers um, in the history of this country, which is, which is really, really 
um, showing its showing its dark side and um, having to navigate that um, as our own identities of Canadians. And so I really encourage you, especially if you are a settler like myself, that um, you really, really reflect on those ideas and, and really kind of connect to the land where you live and understand its history. Um, I went on to the website to find, because there's a website you can go to that says where was the closest residential school to where you grew up. And I put in my address and there was one 10 minutes away. And I was just like, how did I not know? How How is it? And so I just think it's it's just so important. And so I encourage all of you to really reflect and have conversations with your kids because it's it's no more forgetting, no more forgetting. This is, this is the journey that we all must, must, must go on together. So um, yeah, no, I just want to take a minute to acknowledge that. Um, and it also kind of connects to our conversations today because I have with me two guests that we are talking about in terms of like my first guest, um, you have heard her before. Um, she's a very dear friend. Her name is Katie Jameson and she is a super mom who has um who has a daughter, Kenzie, who is who has Down syndrome, and she has other children as well. But we're really focusing on Kenzie um, because she started her daughter started kindergarten this year, and so I spoke with her early in the year to talk about what her kind of vision was for education for her daughter. And then at the end of the year, talking to her again to just be like, okay, so how did that shift or how did that evolve? And the reason why I called her um, for this particular podcast is because we really were focusing on peers this month. And um, part of what we're learning from Kenzie is her connection to her community and her connection to um, that place where she where she goes every day. And, and this is really what I think talking about decolonizing our practices and reconciliation is, is that this isn't just about educating kids in isolation. Um, Kenzie knows her peers, she knows her communities, she knows her neighborhood school. And to me, that's exactly what we're talking about right is how do we respond to individual individuals how do we you know give a place for agency and community to develop and and to stop looking at the deficits of, of kids and so as you can see like they just they, they go together hand in hand um so my first guest is katie and we're going to talk about kenzie's journey through this year and um how how peers have really influenced her her growth over time and um and also the peers growth with with their connections of kenzie's contribution to the classroom but also um as you know i'm interviewing teams like i'm interviewing teams that that i'm working with um specifically in washington but i'm kind of like looking i'm like i want to talk to more because it's so fun to connect with teams to really to be like how are they taking the conversations from our inquiry series and applying them to their own context, right? And, and that's the part about inclusion that is, is really important is that this isn't this isn't a training. Like you can't train yourself to be inclusive. Um, what this is more about is how do we, you know, shift infrastructure and thinking and paradigms so that it changes the culture of education and so it's really neat to talk to all these different teams because you know they're all listening and engaging in, in similar material and processes but um, each of them are all taking that and applying it to their own situated context in different and unique ways which I think is really important because then it responds to their diversity right and we can't we can't just say this has to be the same for everyone because then we're not considering the diversity of each unique community and each unique classroom so it's been really fun to talk to all these different groups 
groups. And so the group today um, is they are they are Team Pato, and it's a it's a unique name that's actually very connected to place. And they're going to explain that to you. Um, but yeah, no, sit back and relax, and uh, to have a listen to Katie and my my friends in Washington, and then uh, we'll debrief. We'll debrief on the other side. Okay, I'll see you in a bit. Hello, my friends. Welcome. I have with me one of my favorite, favorite moms out there in the world, Katie Jamison. Katie Jamison, give us a big hello. Hello. Hi. So I, this, as you know, this podcast is about peers. Cheers for peers. And I immediately thought of Katie Jamison. So Katie Jamison, before we get into it, I'm wondering, can you tell the world a little bit about you, who you oh are? Gosh. I would love to. First of all, I love how when you talk about me, you say my full name and never oh, just Katie. <laughs> sounds so good. <laughs> Little Irish girl at heart. No. Um, Katie Jameson. I am a mom. I have four kids. Uh, my twins, Wally and Kenzie, Woodsy and my son, Lachlan. And Kenzie, my daughter, has Down syndrome. So we connected over that um, yeah, because... Yeah. Because I got addicted to your content uh, when I found out that there was an inclusion expert out there. And it's you. Hey, hey. <laughs> I'll never forget the first time I met you. you oh, my gosh. I, you, I didn't know what I was walking into. To be, that was my first. I had never seen you online. I had never heard any of your talks. And Tamara was like, let's go see Shelly Moore. And I was like, cool. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like blown away. I was like, this is a gym <laughs> in, this, in this elementary school gym. <laughs> yeah. Well, my favorite part is that I had been following you because you've got some followers. Like you're like kind of a well-known, like super mom. <laughs> so the day, like a couple of days before that session, you had rearranged your living room on your Instagram account. And you asked the Instagram world, you're like, do you guys think I should keep my living room this way? And so when I saw you, I'm like, your living room looks so good. <laughs> oh my God. And if anybody knows me, if I am procrastinating, I am moving furniture around. <laughs> Oh, it was awesome. I'm just like the light that shines in that window. I felt like I totally knew you. It was awesome. I'm just like, oh man, that was so it's good. Both of you walk in, I'm like, here we go. Because I didn't know you two knew each other. So, oh, it was just a party. <laughs> and then Danielle came on board. Let me oh tell my you. gosh. There's a whole, there's a whole community of moms that, oh like, my goodness. You, man, do we need a night out? No, when this COVID done is over, I am like promoting myself to honorary Down syndrome mom and are going to go, we're going to go out or go to my deck, something. (laughs) Your deck sounds fantastic. Let's be honest. We're tired. Let's just go to your deck. deck. You know what? My spare bedroom is almost finished being renovated. So we'll just throw some bunk beds in there. We're good to go. That sounds fantastic. I know know for one that Danielle will love that. Should we all need a, we need a night away <laughs> and she'll just like run her TikTok account. It would be the best. Oh, we should mention that Danielle Gibbons is a famous TikTok star. Yes. And you, if you don't follow Danielle Gibbons, you must, you must. Oh, okay. I'll put all of this in the notes. Okay. Please, please put her profile in the notes. Oh, I'm going to Danielle show. <laughs> I've actually interviewed Danielle on this podcast. You have? Yes. Yeah, so oh, you are. Listening. I'm not surprised. I call Danielle my, my mom guru. If I ever have a question, I go to her. She's just so like, she's, she's lived it. Right. Like her son is what? Grade two. Connor's grade two. I think he's grade two. Grade two. So she's kind of like, she's lived it. She, but she also knows like she has the confidence to know that she, she has enough experience and sass 
to push back when things aren't right. She sure does. You know what I mean? Without getting super emotional, like she's like rational, like a stinger. Yes. I mean, like, she no, works. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She works in the world of legality. So oh. that makes sense to me. She also will often grammatically correct most of my writing. She, I should hire her for my <laughs> I haven't hired her yet. I, Danielle, I'm sorry. I have not paid you. You. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love her. No, honestly, I just can't wait to hang out with all, like all of us together. It'll be so fun. Fantastic. Well, the other thing that I think is important to know about you, Katie Jameson, is that little Kenzie just started school this year. Like this is <laughs> the year of COVID. Yes. Kenzie and Wally are starting school. Like how's that been for you? My little kindergarten babies. I know. I love it. Yeah. So I they guess love it. they love it. They're just like, we don't know any different yeah, but they like, because, because but you had started your kindergarten planning, like before COVID had started, like what were some of your like concerns or worries or hopes or fears? Like, what were you thinking about? Um, I mean, I was like, you know, in general, I was like a nervous parent sending my kids to school uh, for all of the regular reasons. Yeah. And then on top of that, we had sort of the concerns for putting a child with Down syndrome into the school system. So I was nervous about what her support would look like. I was nervous about, I mean, to be honest, if the kids would be nice to her, <laughs> I just wanted, I wanted, yeah, kids to play with her. And I was nervous if she would, you know, make it through the day. Like if she would follow the routine and sort of like learn alongside all of the kids. Mm -hmm. And so what, what, so now you've now, you know, we're, what three quarters of the way through the year like yeah, what, we're like almost they're almost done that's wild it feels like summer thank goodness outside yeah. um but like what's what how's it how's it going like how's the year been the year has been so good um wally has thrived in kindergarten he absolutely loves it are they in the and same class they're in the same class oh, so i love that here's a funny thing about covid this year is that their class size is very small because yeah. the kids didn't all come back to school. Yeah. So one positive thing that happened this year that might not happen next year is that Kenzie started school with a really small class size. That's kind of a so really nice. It was really nice. Yeah. She had lots of support from her teacher, from her EA. Mm -hmm. She's like, she, there's not too many kids in her classroom that she kind of like knows and has befriended them all. Yeah. Um, and she's just done really well. Like we're all so proud of the way that she's adapted to this new routine mm -hmm. and sort of has taken on this new chapter of learning because she hasn't really been a play inspired learner. Mm -hmm. So this has been really interesting for us to see how she's adapted through kindergarten. Totally. Cause she's like such a sense, like she loves sensory exploration. Huge sensory exploration. Great. Every day yeah. she takes a different object to school. I love that, um, I which love I was that. nervous that the teachers wouldn't be okay with that, but they love it. They're I like, what does Kenzie have today? Like the macrame plant hanger that she was dragging to school. <laughs> she loves that. She, somebody messaged me on Instagram. They're like, she's so boho. Oh, I love it. And you know what else I love is tell everyone what Kenzie got in her Easter basket. Oh my gosh. Kenzie got a rainbow like hand wand that, yeah. that she like can, um, What's that called? Wow, I've lost all my vocabulary. She can wave around. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and she got, her, she got a little dolly that she immediately threw in the dirt. Oh, my goodness. Well, what I love about this is because I, I pay attention to what you do because you're the kind of parent I want to be. And oh 
I just like, because I've seen, I've seen Kenzie with the doll. But then what I love is that rather than you being like, you need to like this doll, because that's what kids like. You were like, no, you love sensory exploration. And so you give her textures. Yeah. Like, remember when you gave her the bucket of like, you went to that yeah. store and you it's, gave her like lace and shiny papers. I'm like crying tears. This is, I And I had, I didn't do that in her first, you know, probably three years. It took me three years to figure out that it's okay for Kenzie not to like toys and that she can just like totally. touching stuff. Yeah. But since I've sort of gotten on board with like, Hey, let's give Kenzie what she likes, not what I like mm-hmm. things have gotten like, you know, she explores so much more. Oh my goodness. I love it. And how, Oh my goodness. And how um, Woodford and her have their stimming dates together. <laughs> it's like he has completely. So Woodford's our youngest. He's three. And he, since he was a baby, has stimmed with Kenzie. People, I think everyone knows what stimming is, right? Yeah. D- describe, describe an example for people who are listening. Okay. So an example. So Kenzie stims quite a bit. She, um, she needs a lot of auditory and sensory feedback. And so one of her most used stims is sitting on a couch and sort of moving her body forward and then putting it back really fast against the back. So she's kind of like... Like moving in and out. No one can see me. I'm doing it right now, but, no yeah, but it's like me. rocking, but like also getting the, the, the kind of the pressure from the back of the couch. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's like auditory for her ears too, yeah. like going back and forth anyway. So Woodford, since as long as I can remember, he'll sit beside her on the couch and do it oh, in tandem with her. When I, when you post it, you guys, you got to go follow, if you, I'll post case, post Katie Jameson's info, but cause you got to follow it. Cause every time I'm like, Jessica, look, yes. <laughs> Because you don't understand how relevant, like how important that is, because for so long, you know, it has been like the perspective has been we need to suppress these behaviors because they're not normal or typical. And so what I love is that this like this little team of kids that you have, you're responding to them and their interests and strengths, even though it's what you say, like it's not yours, it's theirs. And they're like it's not hurting Kenzie. It's not hurting anyone to be able to interact with the world in a way that's different than others. And so I just, it's just a beautiful example. Oh, thank you. It's actually, you know, and like, it's better for her this yeah. way, you know, yeah. and the more that people sort of get on board with mm-hmm. people responding to or taking in their surroundings in different ways, mm-hmm. the easier it's all going to be for everybody to move through life. Have you seen the YouTube video? I'll send it to you. I'll post it too. It's called in my language. No. Okay, you got, I'll, I'll text this to you, but basically it is a woman who um, makes a YouTube video and I don't want to tell you too much about it. I just want you to watch it, but it's, okay. it's connected to this idea of, you know, what if we looked at how, like, like we talk about communication in general in terms of like language, right. And writing or pictures, but you know, why does, why does communication and interaction have to be limited to those three? Like if we started to expand our understanding of like, what if someone's interaction with water could be considered communication and, or interacting with the world in a way, even though it's different than someone else, you know? So it's kind of like really opening up um, that view of looking at, you know, what does communication mean in a, in a, in a less ableist, way to just be like hey like movements and gestures and interactions with you know materials and you know things around you like why isn't that considered meaningful interaction and communication so i'm going to send it to you because oh, this is you have no idea how timely this that comment that you just really? made is. Yeah, yeah. 
Because we're really, we're, we're really, and I'm going to say this, and this, I'm admitting that I'm making an ableist comment right now, but we're really struggling with Kenzie's lack of communication. So Kenzie is nonverbal mm-hmm. and she is five and a half years old. And I will say with full honesty that I assumed that she would be talking by five and a half. And we have her in speech therapy with the amazing Riley at the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation. And we just started speech therapy this past, uh, like last month. So we've been to about a month worth after having nothing for a year during COVID. And Riley has conceded that Kenzie is just not making improvements or, um, you know, making steps forward in the way that we all thought that might happen. And she has suggested that we look at this alternative route of communication and really lean into like the AAC communication. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, I had a pity party for 24 hours because I was just like, we have tried everything. We have tried so hard. I don't understand. Why won't she talk to me? Why isn't she communicating? And I sat down with my husband and I just like felt really sorry for myself. And he stopped me and he was like, hold on a second. You're saying that she's not communicating, but she is. All Kenzie does is communicate. Why can't we say that her stimming is communication? Why can't we say that her body movement is communication? Why can't we say that when she pulls herself into the shower, fully dressed, that she's communicating to us. And I was just like, Oh man, damn it. I suck. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's just, you're unlearning. You know what I mean? Like everything that, that you and I were taught in terms of what counts as success is completely different, you know? And, and I think what I'm really, what I really learned, like when I was school-based was like, it's so much easier for me to learn a student's language than it is for a student like Kenzie to learn mine. Yeah. Right? Do you know what I mean? Because if, yeah. if good, they would. It's that's, it's so true, Shelly. That's like the concept of there's this meme on the internet that mm-hmm. says a child with disabilities will spend their entire life learning yeah. how to adapt to the world around them. But why can't the world around them learn to adapt to and them? The most amazing thing happens when you adapt to the world around them. They start communicating to yes. you. Yes. That makes sense, right? Like, like, you remember my TED talk about the gut, the little boy under the table? Yes. Oh, that was one of my favorite ones. It was like the day that, I, that, he, that this student started to talk to me was the day that I actually entered into his stimming world. Like, like, the page numbers. Yeah. You know, so I think like, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a big reflection in here to say, you know, you know, just because it doesn't look like how we know, and we know, like, if we don't know things, it's fear-based, right? Like, we don't, yes. right? We, we, we fear what we don't know. And so to, to, for you and your husband to be able to really, like, reflect on that and just be like, okay, am I upset because of me or I'm upset for her, right? And really being able to situate the person because Kenzie looks like the happiest person, like the happiest kid I've ever seen. This is the thing. And this is what my husband said to me. He's like, does she look sad to you? And I was like, well, no, but I'm sad. And he's like, okay, well, stop. It's not about you or me, you know? And it's just, it was, it's been a real mind shift. I will say the, the nonverbal aspect of down syndrome has been one of the hardest unlearning moments for me to go through. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you, you've mentioned this on your Instagram as well, in terms of like, you know, it's, it's, 
it's one thing for Kenzie to communicate in the way that she can, but what about those moments when she needs to communicate something and she can't, yeah. right? And so like you talked about her teeth, for example, right? Yeah. Like you didn't know that her teeth were, that she was having pain. And so that's where like, you know, having a common communication system, whatever it is, is going to be beneficial so that in those moments when the communication tides are not aligning then there's still something that you can both rely on whether that's pictures or words or, or sounds or movements so that you know so, things yeah, are something you can root back to yeah because I, I i like my heart just when you mentioned that you're just because kenzie had to get some teeth pulled yeah. and you had said on the instagram i know everything katie james <laughs> and then you had mentioned on your instagram you're just like like i feel my heart breaks because i didn't know that she was in that much pain right yeah. and so like just all of these little examples like i think that the journey that you're sharing of you and your family are just really honest accounts of how we learn to support our kids in their different ways right Ugh, thank you for saying that i really did feel very badly about that that was that was a hard day but like also knowing like, of course you would have done something if you had known. Yeah. And this is what everybody says. You know, everybody says, of course you didn't know, of course, like there's nothing you could have done. You didn't know it was happening, but it doesn't take away. No. But then we're like coming full circle then how the augmentative communication system could be a, like, could be a, a tool. Yeah. Cause that's where this is this, her communication, your communication could come together. Yes. And that's where we're headed. So six months from now, let's have another podcast <laughs> on no, how the AAC is going. <laughs> no, totally. Well, it's so funny because we're talking about all these things, but the real thing I want to talk to you. Oh, about yeah, sorry. <laughs> so we haven't started the podcast yet. <laughs> you know what though? It's so good because this gives us a really good like view of Kenzie. And you know what? It does connect because something that you've already said is we always expect the student to adapt to the classroom or a person to adapt to a context rather than having any expectation for the context to respond yes. or adapt to an individual. And it's so much easier for a context to respond than it is for an individual sometimes. And so let's do zoom in specifically in the classroom. Okay. Because um, you and I have talked at length about um, often what parents are told to advocate for in inclusive classrooms, which is one-to-one -one support. I mean, even as an early inclusion teacher myself, special education, I'm like, we need EAs for all of these kids, right? Because there's this like assumption that that's the only way that students can be successful in an inclusive classroom. And shout out to EAs because for a long time, they're the ones that made it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And so I think that, you know, what we're talking about this week on the podcast is the power of community. And within that community, I'm really understanding that a community is not just Kenzie's classmates on one side and then Kenzie with an EA on the other side, right? And so really like shifting from how are we not just sharing this space together, but how do we feel that we belong in this community together? And you can't belong in a community if you're only interacting with one person on the side of the room and no one talks Absolutely. to you. And so this was a concept that you actually talked about in the, in the, the time that we first met. Yeah. That very first kind of blew my mind. Cause Kenzie was little, Kenzie was only two and a half or three. I think we when our first each other that long? yeah, it was a long time ago, but one of the concepts that you talked about was how inclusion is not having a child with special needs sitting in the same classroom as their peers. Yeah. Because at the time I was like, uh, yeah, it is. That's, that's what I want. I Kenzie, I want Kenzie in the same classroom as her friends. 
And then as the years progressed and she went to daycare and then now she's in kindergarten, I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. No, I want her meaningfully included. Yeah. Yeah. With pure connections, mm. with adult connections. And, you know, I talked to, there's a podcast that I, that I did, like, I think in the first year with Alexander Magnuson, and he is a self-advocate with autism. And so I interviewed him as a, an adult who has not long, like, aged out of the school system. Right. And he was saying how, what was r- real struggle for him. And this really hit me because you know, coming from the voice of a self-advocate, like we have to listen. Right. And so here I am talking about inclusion and how benefit was, he's like, I hated my inclusion classes. And I'm just like, why? He's like, I didn't know anybody in there. He's just like, at least in my segregated classroom, I had friends. Oh, wow. Community. And he's just like, so like there, he's like, there was one day where um, I was supposed to go to all of these inclusive classrooms with people I'd never gone to school with. He's like, I was so isolated. I tried to get back into the life skills room and they said, no, you need to go. You need to be included. He's like, so I was actually really against inclusion for a long time because in my head, it meant that I lost all my friends. Oh, right. And so like, you know, and so and, the, and if you look at the research, it says the same thing. Like often if, if the attention to inclusion is only physical space, often kids with disabilities feel more isolated than yeah. when they're segregated. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Sense. And so, you know, um, what we're what we're talking about is really about like what can the role of peers be in terms of supporting that connection of community and that connection of and the role of peers in that sense of belonging in a community. And so I'm wondering if you could talk to me about, you know, how like the role of peers in Kenzie's life in her classroom. I was really surprised and, and I, I guess I shouldn't be because people are raising some wonderful, wonderful kids. But I was really surprised at how quickly the kids in her classroom sort of took on the role of including Kenzie. Um, Specifically, the kids are helping her EA move Kenzie from task to task during the day and from room to room. So the... uh, I get um, the the teachers, the team at the, at kindergarten because of COVID, we're not allowed to go into the classroom and see what's happening. Um, they'll take videos and put it on like you know a group parent sort of channel, and there's videos of different kids throughout the class holding Kenzie's hand and walking her to gym. There's pictures of kids on the playground sort of following Kenzie around and like helping her up the stairs to the slide. Um, there's pictures of the kids, um, sort of showing kids, like they sit, uh, in a pod. So like Kenzie sits with one other person to do her work and we get videos of this girl who sits next to her showing Kenzie how to hold a paintbrush and, and do the paintbrush. And something that was really amazing happened this year in the fall. And I'm so happy that her teacher shared it with me was that, they learned a video where they were, so their class, you learned sign this year. Sorry, this is a really long answer. Oh, keep going. Their class learned sign this year, which wouldn't have happened if Kenzie had not been in the classroom. And the, the class learned a song with sign for fall. And it was videotaped for all of the parents because we couldn't go to like a fall concert. And when the teacher shared it to us, she was like, I have to confess to you that I didn't think Kenzie had accomplished this task of, of doing the song with the group because when I was filming it, all I saw was her facing to the side uh, and not paying attention to me leading the group. And then when I played it back for myself, I saw what was actually happening and Kenzie was watching her friend who was standing right next to her and she was one sign behind 
doing the signs that her friend was doing. And her teacher said that was an absolute light bulb moment for me that I can only do so much as her teacher, but that her class and her peers are going to be the ones who teach her the most throughout her education. And I was, it was just the most amazing realization because it was such a small moment, but it just encompassed this huge idea that yes, teachers are great. And yes, EAs are so essential, but the kids that are in the classroom with Kenzie are, it's an indispensable experience for her. And this, this story that, you know, I, I remember you telling me the story and I forgot. So thank you for remembering it. Cause this is exactly what we're talking about. So here we're going to have a little lesson in education right now. Okay. A love lessons. A little, little love lesson. So <laughs> know about the history of education right? It's very, very much like standardized, like before the industrial revolution, education was like public education was only seen like as a service for the elite. Okay. Okay. So it's it's a very, very colonial process of let's sort, you know what I mean? Let's sort into abilities. Let's sort into skills. The teacher is the expert and they will bestow knowledge to empty vessels of students. And so we've, we've, we're kind of like part of this whole inclusive framework is pushing back against some of these really archaic and outdated assumptions of knowledge, which is the teacher knows everything. The students know nothing and the teacher is going to give the knowledge to the students. And if you can't do it, then you have to go over here and because and we put all of the kids who can't do things together. OK, this is a really colonial <laughs> understanding uh, of education. Now, part of and you may have heard about this through reconciliation action is thinking about how do we decolonize education to understand that if we actually put kids together based on strengths, and based on interests and based on diversity, what happens is it's no longer just the teacher who's a teacher, right? And it doesn't mean we don't need teachers and it doesn't mean we don't need EAs, but what it does mean is that EAs, teachers, kids, Kenzie, peers, everyone has a role of teaching others in that space. And so when, when you're telling me the story, I'm like, this is a perfect example of understanding and helping a teacher to see this isn't just about that the teacher understands that a student learns in the one way that they taught, but saying, how do we facilitate learning communities where kids learn from each other's strengths and interests? Because then you could also say, what are the moments? And this is my next question is what do you think the peers learn from Kenzie? Oh my gosh. They learn so much from Kenzie. They are learning an alternate mode of communication they are learning that when somebody does things that look different to them, that it's okay. That's scary and weird or different. Yeah. Kenzie makes a lot of noises. Part mm-hmm. of her stimming is vocal. She does a lot of vocal stimming. Mm-hmm. And the kids, what's happening now, and I love it because every morning it makes me almost cry. When we walk, we're always the last family there because, hello, I have three kids and we're always the last family at school. <laughs> So the kids are all already in the classroom when we're when we're walking down the ramp and Kenzie's always stimming. So she puts her hand over her mouth and she makes a loud noise sort of over and over a repetitive stim. But what I hear is that when the kids hear that, they say, Wally and Kenzie are here and they run to the door. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone knows they can. And it's not a weird noise for them. It's not something that's, you know, makes them not want to play with Marco Polo. It's, it's It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And I think like, this is such a, this is such an important point too, because there's also this assumption that inclusive classrooms, oh, well, they're good for Kenzie. 
They're I would I would wager to say that inclusive education is better for Wally than it is for Kenzie. Yeah, and this is and this is I think the part that gets really really overlooked. Like this isn't I mean yes it, it's good for Kenzie. Like of course it is. But like it's not it's good for the community and i think this is the part where we like we really have to shift away from just giving ac access to curriculum for kenzie on the side of the classroom with your ea is not the point yeah because the benefits of inclusion are that the community are learning the curriculum together with kenzie yes and i think like when i say that this style of learning is better for wally than it is for kenzie you're right i don't truly mean that this style of learning is essential for kenzie but i think the weight of it needs to be put on how good this is for wally and for typical kids because that's how inclusion will grow and move forward in the education system is if parents of typical kids realize that having a child with disability in their class brings support for everybody in the class. And so this is where we're going is like, so people are like, yeah, but Shelly, so if you're not advocating for one-on-one -on -one support, what are you advocating for? We still need EAs. Yes, we do. And so what did we talk about at the beginning of the year? Well, we, you were very gently explaining to me that Kenzie does not need a one-to-one -one EA, which I wasn't sure I believed you. So gentle. <laughs> You were very kind. Even when I was like, I don't, I don't know. Shelly. Your face was just like, eh. yeah, that's not what I've, I've been told that that is the opposite of what well, I need. So they're just like, no, you got to ask for this. Yeah. Because I think because you're learning from the parents who came before you. And if the parents who came before you are advocating for one-to-one, -one, then that's what I'm going to do too. Can you imagine, I learned, can you yeah, imagine I, if you didn't advocate for one-to-one -one and there was no inclusive practice happening? That would be a nightmare. Yes. That would be horrible. So I get why parents do it, but keep going. So we decided in her, um, her, in her early, in her IEP meeting earlier in the year that we wanted to make very clear that we wanted Kenzie to have an EA in the classroom, but that we did not want that EA to be one-to-one -one support for Kenzie, unless it was absolutely needed. Say, well, safety is, is of course, do you know what I mean? Like, of course, there are some kids who for safety reasons will need access to a one-to-one -one support. Yeah. We also have to understand that like safety is not hundred percent of the time. Yeah. A really good EA knows when to step in yeah. and when to get the heck out. And I think, I think clarifying like what one-to-one -one support is and what it's not is really important because there is still an EA in the classroom. Oh, very important. She has her eyes on Kenzie, but she, but what, and the teacher wasn't totally on board because, and which I understand because she didn't know Kenzie and she, and she wasn't sure what Kenzie was going to need, which is why it's my role as a parent to advocate for things. Even when people are telling me that that might not be how it should go. Do you know what we tell teachers? Kids like Kenzie need one-to-one -one support. <laughs> yeah, because she's been told that, right? Oh, she's been told. Yeah. Everyone's been told. Yeah. yeah. So, but what's ended up happening is that by having Kenzie's EA be in the room, but not with Kenzie all the time, Kenzie has been able to learn from her peers. She's been able to learn what's happening and follow actions and look at what her friends are doing and learn that way instead of having Miss Wendy, who's her EA, um, draw it out for her every time. Yeah. One of the, one of the, my favorite skills that I would work with my EAs on is like the best thing you could teach to your kids is if they don't know what to do, tell them to look around. <laughs> yeah. Look I around mean, you. I need that. Oh, totally. Be like, you don't know what to do. I'm not going to tell you just look around. 
right? Your oh, referencing is so important. Well, okay. I like this. I like this a lot because, um, like I chose you for a reason, obviously. <laughs> um, I only talk to goers on this podcast cause I've learned, <laughs> I've learned. Um, but I think like, you know, what we're really getting here is that, you know, we're not, we're not saying that we don't need EAs. Like Miss oh. Wendy is critical to this community hundred percent, but it's looking at understanding that the role of not just EAs, but just support adults in general are really evolving um, in these inclusive contexts to say, how does a classroom teacher and an EA work together to support everybody yeah. as opposed to a divide and conquer model? Like it's a family model. Right. And I think, you know, the stories that I see um, that you tell, and even just our conversation today, like what you're, what, what we're seeing is that an EA is is facilitating support and interactions between peers instead of just facilitating interaction and support between Kenzie and themselves themselves right and I, and I and I think like if there's if there's any thing I want people to take from our conversation is that we still need support adults but to really reflect on what the role is and what the purpose is because at the end of the day if Kenzie does all her work but has absolutely no connections with anyone other than an adult like are we really meeting the goals of inclusion I just absolutely I mean I can quote you from one of our earlier talks (laughs) at the beginning (laughs) of the year you you said if parents and teachers knew the reality and the truth of what a child with disabilities brings to a classroom, they would be running to the front of the line at the running. start of the school year, running up and say, I want a child with disabilities in my classroom. Honestly, honestly, like I, as everybody know, I'm going to be a parent any day. And I want my kid in a classroom with kids with disabilities. Yes. And if we had parents of non-disabled kids making those phone calls to say, my kid is missing out because they don't have peer interactions with disability this system would change overnight. Can I tell you one more story? Yeah, of course you can. Um, A couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the parents in the kids' kindergarten class stopped me on the way back to my car. And she really kind of like shyly said to me, I can't tell you how amazing it is to have Kenzie in my daughter's classroom this year. My daughter has learned sign and my daughter has learned that Kenzie really likes shiny things. And so she chooses sparkly shoes every morning because she sits sits next to Kenzie and she knows that Kenzie likes them and that they can communicate over that. And she had tears in her eyes and she was Ah. saying, I can't thank you enough for this experience that my daughter has had. And if that doesn't summarize you tell me what book you're going to find that in. Exactly. Like this life experience that, cannot happen elsewhere. They have to learn that they have to live that. And I mean, we know this is good for Kenzie, but I think we overlook the benefits to peers and, and for teachers too. Like, you know, I'm, I look at research all the time. Like so many classroom teachers are like, I was scared because I didn't know what to do. And once I learned how to do it, it has made me a better teacher. Yeah. You know, and so, and that's where the work is. Like, how do we, cause I, I don't want any, I don't want anyone listening to this think that this, this should be more work, right? Like no one should have to do this in an unsupported way, but it really is understanding that, you know, the education system is so set up to offer supports based on individual need. And there's just more optimal ways to do this so that, cause we said like advocate for the whole community that your kid is a part of, not just yes. your kid. And that's where you're going to start to see the benefits. Yep. That was the best piece of information you gave me in September was to 
go to our teacher and say, how can I support you so that you can support Kenzie in a way that supports the whole classroom? There you go. There's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start a t-shirt line. How can I support you to support this classroom to support Kenzie? Done. Because then everyone supports Kenzie. Yeah. And what a gift it is. And that, that parent is absolutely right. Like Kenzie, I mean, I've never even met Kenzie, but I feel like we're like BFFs because I look at her face and my soul melts because she is so beautiful. And she's she like a model. so beautiful. She's a model. Like tell, tell them about the shoes. The what? Isn't she in like a native shoes line? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we did. My friend used to work for native shoes and we did a photo shoot and I got to be honest, it was really hard um, because Kenzie does not like to have her photo taken. So when you guys see a nice photo of Kenzie that I've taken, oh please know God. that hours of time oh have gone into that. Yes. <laughs> I was just like, but we did this photo shoot yeah. and like she, oh, she just, she looked yeah. amazing. She oh looks amazing. God. And she was in another one too. I got it up <laughs> and I was like, that's Kenzie. <laughs> hey folks. Hey folks, that's right. I was hey like, folks, oh. which again, like really hard shoot. And I prefaced it. I was like, we really want to be a part of this. Yeah. It'd be really hard, but it's, it's going to be worth it. No, and, sure. they, and the company, they were so wonderful. They were like, we like hard and we would like Kenzie to be in this. Ah, Shabbos. Cause even businesses are realizing the benefit of this. Yes. Like these kids have contributions. This population has contributions that are getting overlooked. Oh my goodness. If there was a stock in the market of like investing in disability, I would put all my money in it. All of it. Because all of my it, money. It, it would, it's going to, it's going to go through the roof once the world realizes this untapped resource. Oh, you're so right. I mean, once we get you into parliament, <laughs> it should happen. My emotional regulation can handle <laughs> government. Are you kidding me? I would get canceled in four seconds. <laughs> but man, what what a four seconds that would be. You know, it would be entertaining <laughs> and dramatic. Maybe instead, like Tamara Tiger can be the governmental person and I'll be the other. You can be the person that's in the, the earpiece. Yes, I'll be like and, <laughs> and then Tamara delivers it in a level-headed way. Well, as in as best she can. Yes. <laughs> Let's not pretend to say she's not feisty. That's true. Jamara, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Katie Jameson, I've had a lovely time chatting with you. I love chatting with you. Honestly, it's so easy. You're like, you're always my easiest podcast. Okay, so here's my last, here's my last thing that I want you to say. Can you... Okay. Tell the world, like if you, there's parents listening, there's teachers listening, there's EAs listening, like what would be can, in connecting to this idea of like cheers for peers, what would be like the one kind of takeaway you would want them to have after listening to this conversation? Um, I think the biggest takeaway take would be to step back a little bit, step back and let kids like Kenzie interact with their peers. But most of all, let the peers interact with Kenzie, let them figure it out. Let, you know, give them guidance, lead them towards ways that support each other, but take a step back and see what happens because probably what's going to happen is that those kids are just going to absolutely lean into supporting these kids in the most amazing oh, ways. Go pick out their shiny shoes. Oh man. That's a beautiful yeah. story. Right. She picks out shiny shoes to wear for Kenzie every day. Listen, listen, 
I'm going to one day, hopefully, like once I finish all these book contracts that I haven't written, one day I'm going to do one without the other, like the next chapter and have little stories. And that's going to be one of them. Oh, it should be. Shiny shoes. That's what it's going to be called. Yeah. Kenzie has a hard time concentrating in circle. And (laughs) I mean, who doesn't? And this little girl, she wears these shiny shoes because she'll put her feet out and Kenzie will sit there and touch her shoes for all of circle. I like this kid figured that out. This five-year-old kid figured this out. She'll never she will never forget that connection that she has. Yeah. This is, that is Kenzie's dictionary for her. It is. Oh, well, I, could talk <laughs> to you all day. I could talk to you all day. Okay, listen, I'm not going to keep you because you got three children Ugh, and a garden to grow. Oh, so I want to thank you so, 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 so much for joining me today. I am sure I'll have you back because every time I'm just like, who can I talk to you this about? I'm like, oh, Katie Chapin. <laughs> Please always say my full name. It sounds so official. No, you know, I think it's because a lot of people call me Shelly Moore. And so I just return the favor. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think it's really nice to be clear. No, seriously. Because there's a lot of people <laughs> out there. Let's be real, right? But there is only one Katie Jameson. That's true. Katie is such an your last name. name. How you spell it is so nice because there, there's no I in it. Yeah, it's not Jamieson. Totally. Jameson. It's Jameson. Anyways, um, I will, everyone who's listening, I will um, link um, Katie Jamison's page so you can see her beautiful family. Uh, please give your husband a high five. Um, J- Katie Jamison's husband is in the restaurant business, folks. And so I want to give a little plug for B-Side. <laughs> Thank you. Totally, because this is COVID nonsense. So go, oh, man. go B-Side. This has been a rough year. Yeah. So we're going to go spend our ICBC refund checks. And we're going to go to B-Side Patio. Look it up. If you've gone to the McKenzie room, you know that this is connected to B-Side. And they have grub for days outside. For days and days. And it's sunny. It's sunny. So go go support your local restaurants and help them get through COVID, friends. Oh, my gosh, Shelly. You're amazing. You're amazing. Okay. You're amazing. <laughs> Say bye, Katie Jameson. Bye. Hi, team. You guys, are, you guys are team 12. We are. Nice to see you. Close my door. Oh, my goodness. Good to be here. I know. Thanks for joining me. Okay, so let me just walk you through this. So, um, basically, I'm just going to be recording our conversation. I'm just going to ask you some questions. And uh, it's not live, so we have the power of editing. And... Uh, and that's it. It's so easy. It's so easy. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Any questions before we start? <laughs> is, is there anything we should be prepared for? Like, are you going to ask me to show a picture of my cat or something or anything weird that I need to get ready for? No, and if, cat, and if so I ask, ask a question and you're like, I'm not ready for that, just say it because I can just cut it. Okay. Okay. That's great. It's so straightforward. <laughs> you guys, it's so nice to see you. Uh, I'm kind of starstruck, Shelly Moore. I'm not going to no. lie. Like, we're doing a podcast with Shelly Moore. Yes. <laughs> or just having a conversation with you is enough. No, the podcast, it's been so fun because, like, there's so many teams and we're not physically together. So I can't, like, come up and talk to you and, like, get to know you guys, you know? And so it's been, like, virtual is, is nice, but I, this has been allowed me to like be like, Haley, who the heck are you? You know, it's so awesome. fun. 
Okay, so I am here with Team 12. Team 12, what's your name? Like, what's your team name? Team Pato. Pato. I love that. Now, is that like an acronym? It is not. Rachel Suits, who couldn't join us today, yeah. we've been trying to think of, we're located in White Salmon, Washington in the Columbia Gorge. Yeah. And so we have two mountains, Mount Adams and Mount Hood. And so team, or Pato is the name for Mount Adams, correct, team? Okay. It is. Yep. Okay. Oh, I love that. So it's like connected to your place. That's, mm-hmm. place. That's beautiful. I love that. Oh my goodness. I, you guys just like brought emotions to my eyes. Okay. Well, Team Pato, why don't you introduce me and tell me a little, like, who are you? Who's your team? Hey, I'm Healy Ortega and I am the middle school principal here in White Salmon. I moved here in 2010, but I grew up in the Puget Sounds in a okay. little town called Gig Harbor. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. This is my seventh year as the middle school principal, but 10th year in the, or 11th year in the districts. I was That's a seventh awesome. grade language arts teacher before that. Isn't middle school just amazing? I love a middle school oh. for 17 years. This is my 17th year in middle school. Honestly, middle school, it's not for everyone, but when it's for you, it's a dream. Hey. Okay, Brian, you're next. Tell me who you are. I am Brian Frazier. I uh, am the intermediate school principal here. So it's grades four, five, and six. Yep. Um, It's my third year here. It's an amazing place. Uh, Previous to this, I worked for a uh, pre-K through five elementary school in Sultan, Washington as the assistant principal. And I was a band teacher before that in a very small school, um, LaConnor, that's way up, um, up north. And, um, towards the water is great beautiful spot and i loved working with such a wide range of kids um yeah. you know and teaching music was, was a great gig um i grew up uh just north of seattle went to a very big high school went to a very big college at uw and then have worked in small schools since and really see the benefits um really digging it honestly i love like i, I honestly honestly i think there's a lot that like urban areas could learn from rural and small schools because you can't just like there's not the luxury of number you can't just just be like oh there's 35 kids of you who are five eight let's make a five eight program like you can't just you just you have to teach everyone because it's the whole community so i don't know like i feel like rural schools are a very special place thanks they brian are. okay todd last but not least all right i'm i'm todd mccauley i'm principal down at whitson elementary school uh we're a k3 primary school um and this is my eighth year as the principal here. Um, uh, before that, I was over in uh, Hood River as a principal, at, a vice principal at a, um, the high school level, and then um, started for four years and started as a vice principal at an elementary school there, doing a dual language immersion school uh, in, within a school. And I grew up down uh, not too far from here in East Multnomah County, East Portland, uh, in uh, in a smaller place called Corbett, uh, uh, in a small town, and um, and taught at uh, school district Reynolds School District in Portland area for about ten years, uh, and taught elementary and middle school. So yes, yeah, Todd, you're a, you said a principal of K to three. Yes, they must just think you're the most amazing person in the world. Oh, you I'm know. like K to three. They just be like, Mr. McCauley, you are our hero. You know, like they haven't been <laughs> super tall too are you oh 
I bet they just think you are. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Kita three. I'm, Kita I'm very, three. I'm very lucky. Uh, and I, uh, I love, I've worked at all levels and, uh, and I, and each of them are special and love, yeah. um, love each level and uh, would do all levels again and like go back if an opportunity comes and, and would be happy doing anything uh, with yeah. kids at all levels. But, um, but I described being in elementary school as uh, breathing. Uh, you just don't even, I just don't, I, you don't have to think about it as much. It's just so uh, uh, natural and feels like just such a good uh, place to be with little kids. Uh, totally. So, just the little yeah. ones. Well, yeah. this is so fun. So are your schools kind of connected in a common like district or area? We're all together. You're all to Oh, are you in one building? Brian and I are in one building. Okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a main campus that yeah. has uh uh, intermediate, middle, high school, preschool, alternative high school. Yeah. Um, all of that. Everybody but Todd. Everybody. And then I'm. <laughs> I'm down the road. I'm down the road. Uh, oh, Todd. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a, I'm a separate campus uh, down the road. And so Rachel can't join us. So it's is she high school? She's our after school program director. Got it. Okay. Oh, that's so great that she could like that she's part of the team. That's awesome. She's incredible. She was also the master gardener director before she came to us. <laughs> okay. Can you please give Rachel a big high five for me next time you see her? Cause that's awesome. She's I love that. Like team. you said, that's the nice part about a small school is in a large place. You wouldn't have your after school coordinator as part of your team. Right. Yeah, this yeah. But here, um, uh, she is a very important part of our team and how we service and support kids. Yeah. Well, just it's family, right? Yep. That's the thing. It's family. Oh, well, friends, Team Pato, I'm so happy that you're joining me today. And I love that you're all connected. And this is what I'm really realizing about all of the Washington teams that have been part of this project is like the elementaries and the secondaries and the primaries, like they're all connected to each other. Like, and so, I mean, what a way to shift, shift a movement is by having, by having like that solidarity. So my next question is, so your team is part of this kind of Washington inquiry. And so I'm wondering, like, what made you want to join the project? I'll start with that one. Um, Shelly, we had some in interesting conversations last year when we were talking about random things like awards we give to kids mm -hmm. and we have staff meetings because we rotate staff meetings through grade levels and classrooms so that people get to join somebody else's space for a while for a staff meeting. You see what cool. that like, feels like. But we've never had one in the special ed room, um, wow, which is okay. a life skills program. And, and we're mostly mostly in class, but we do have a life skills program. This just It's right over there. Um, but we never had a staff meeting there. And then some of my staff was thinking, I don't even know who works in there. I don't know everybody in there. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had a staff meeting in there. And unfortunately, a lot of the staff in the life skills room was on the bus with kids while we were having our staff meeting. So we still didn't meet everybody. But, but it was a start and it was uh, just came up with where do we have our staff meetings? Mm -hmm. uh, so the next thing we talked about was who was getting awards and, you know, should kids that are in a classroom with the home teacher, but also in the life skills room, get awards as like, Oh, the life skills classroom teacher gives those out or should they be included and how would they earn those awards? And we looked at who we given awards to, and there was a definite pattern in who was earning awards, a, a few definite patterns. Um, so we just decided to look at that and do something differently. And it led nicely into how do we include everybody in all aspects of our system? Um, and that's a question that I am still swimming with 
and uh, just wanted to know more about. Yeah. No. And I love that because, you know, that's where it starts is that you start to realize that, you know, that kind of that question of we've always done it this way. And then you realize you're like, well, why do we do it that way? You know, it, it totally. And so I appreciate that you started in places that made sense for your context. And, Cause that's, that's how the work starts is by just starting, you know, um, Haley or Todd, you want to add on anything? You want to go to yeah. yeah, I think, I think our, um, uh, we were part of the Washington State Leadership Academy focused on uh, equity a few, uh, quite a few years ago when that came through. Um, and, um, and I think that helped us uh, ask each other tough questions around equity, inclusion, and how are we, um, how are we making sure that we're celebrating all kids? How are we making sure that when there's times to shine that uh, we give, uh, we provide a structure that allows for all families to have um, be prepared and access. Uh, I remember Haley asking, uh, we do board presentations where kids do board presentations and, and just saying, look, the pattern we see when the kids are doing board presentations uh, isn't representative of our entire group of kids. Uh, and, and so how, why is that? Uh, and what what was the barrier there, uh, and and how do we begin to address those barriers, in terms of what do we value, and um, and also um, a huge piece of it was just timing and making sure we communicated with families in enough in a timely way that allowed we would often offer offer it to multiple a diverse group of families, but not in a way that allowed families to adjust their schedules to be there um, for us to make sure we had interpreters there, all of those things. So. Um, so those, some of those conversations we had out of that really, I think, uh, shifted how we began to think about uh, uh, our schools and our classrooms. Yeah, I love that. Haley, last thought? Last thought, yeah, with what Todd was saying. So Shelly, when I moved here in 2010, I came from a large school district, massive Colorado school district. Yeah. And I remember sitting in a staff meeting and at that time it was the 5-8 middle school. And I said, okay, what are we doing for RTI? Like, tell me what the interventions are. What data are we looking at? And I had a staff member turn to me and say, we don't do RTI here. Okay. I was like, that is awesome. Okay, good to know. I know. So that was my first, like I went into complete culture shock in addition to so many other things like ammunition for sale here at high school pharmacy. And right, right. It was awesome. But I think um, as I moved into a leadership position as a teacher in this district, looking at PBIS incentives and setting up school culture and being intentional of looking at data and what that all entails became part of our culture and this journey. And then as I moved into the administrative position, it was before Brian was here and Todd was here. I mean, there were conversations at our admin level of us using language and approaching conversations of those kids, those Hispanic kids. And there was just, we had a lot of work to do as an admin team moving forward. And we did join that WASA group and that was a great start. So I think Jack at AWSP (laughs) was like, white salmon should join this. And I was like, I sent an email yesterday. (laughs) But um, we have, we are continuing this journey of checking ourselves at the admin level Mm -hmm. and really setting a foundation of where do we want to go as a district. And I think this is why we like another reason why we signed up for this because we all want to be a part of it, and we know that it's extremely important. Um, we have kids pushed into classrooms, and we have what it looks like to be inclusion because they're sitting in rooms, but right. we haven't provided our staff and ourselves enough foundational skills. Or, you know, we have a lot of work to do in that sense. So, yeah. 
Well, okay. and you know, we, we've been talking about this in other podcasts about, you know, the power of shifting the culture when you're admin is, is leading, is leading it. Do you know what I mean? Or, or taking the reins. They're, they're the ones that are just like, this matters. This is important. And people will follow that, you know? And so I can appreciate that, um, you know, by you three kind of setting that tone, people are going to see how that's beneficial, you know? Ugh. Okay. Are you ready for your next question? Here we go. So we have been together twice and the third session is coming up. Are you guys with me this afternoon or are you with me next week? This afternoon? So fun. Um, so we've talked, we've had two sessions together. And the first one was talking about presuming competence or presuming potential. And the second one, we were talking about place and, and really connecting to place. And like you say, like removing barriers in place. And so I'm curious, you, we have quite a few sessions left, but um, is there anything, like what are some of your big learnings so far? Haley, is that a smile? Cause you know, <laughs> um, will you ask the question one more time? Of course. No, totally. Uh, just some of your big takeaways. Like what are some things that you're learning? My personal beliefs. So this will just be from Ortega here. Um, I, I go back to, we have a lot of work to do as an administrative team to lead the charge yeah. and the way that we speak and the way that we align what we're doing as a district to a common mission and vision. Yeah. Um, so that that trickle down and that ripple effect impacts our entire community because we're such a small group. Yeah. yeah. So with that, um, we watched the video in our administrative team and it was at the end of a meeting and it was just kind of whatever. And it, it just kind of was like, eh, whatever. And we didn't even really talk about it. Mm -hmm. Then I watched your video with my staff last week and we broke it down and we were in breakout rooms and had conversations and it provided me hope. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> Is that the, are you talking about the place video? Uh, the presuming competence. Oh, the video. presuming competence video. Okay. Yeah. So that was what our goal, we were taking that back to our administrative team. Who's not part of the group and sharing right. that, starting a conversation about, are we doing this? How do we do this? Yeah. Let's start at the basics. And, um, we did that. I, I don't know. So when I went back and I did it with my staff, there's always the one or two people who don't want to get on the bus. Right. So right on. Cool. Yeah. Like I had somebody <laughs> in the comments. Yeah. So anywho, but it provided me hope with the engagement and the conversations that happened with staff of, really reflecting on where they're at in their own practice and we're taking it deeper tomorrow about now that you've watched this video what does it look like and sound like in your classroom what have you been more intentional about on how you've approached a lesson or different ways that kids can access pieces or did you really think that all kids can learn and i had a teacher tell me yesterday they're doing a video and she goes this kid that i i had my own bias going into it going i don't think this kid can do this was one of the strongest storytellers oh wow in a lesson yesterday, but yeah. she was able to reflect on all of that. So more of that, I think, needs to happen at our admin level right. so that we're all on the same page for it to impact all of our buildings. Well, and I mean, that it's such a good point because I mean, like, I don't think anyone has actually ever said to me to my face, I don't think all kids can learn. But it's, it's, it's more about like, what, how, how are your actions, how are the actions you're taking reflective of what your beliefs are? And that's where you see it, right? That's where you see 
that people are believing that kids all kids can't learn you know oh i love that story Haley, good brian todd anything to add learnings big learnings or takeaways one, one of my big takeaways shelly is um that, that it's a big major system change yeah. and and i need to sort of slow down a little bit right because i keep I keep being there and watching the videos and sharing them with staff and thinking like, yes, let's go. Uh, and I have these ideas and, and I need to just slow down. I think, you know, this is where we're taking this slow because we need to be intentional and get it right. Um, we need to make sure that if not everybody's on the bus, the bus is going to go with enough people on it anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, those conversations that we have in the hallway of like, hey, I watched that video. Then I talked to this person about it and we had this discussion. What do you think? Those are really important, yeah. right? This yeah. seems like small steps, but it's really important. And it's not going to be overnight like, okay, kids are in classrooms. Everybody's learning. Everybody oh, believes yeah. everybody can do it. I wish it would, but it's not. And that's, you know, so I, it's, it's really inspiring to be part of this group and to, to have the resources and um, be able to work with you that we have available to us. Yeah. Um, but I got I to gotta remember that it's a major system change. Well, and it's really looking at the big picture right now. You know what I mean? And understanding how do all of these ideas fit into your context? I would never want anyone to like just do everything the same. You know what I mean? Because that's that's comes from a training mentality, and you don't change a system with a training. You know, you change a system by being responsive and having conversations. And I think what I what I'm hearing, what I'm loving, is that. The conversations are happening. They're no longer taboo. They're no longer down the hall behind closed doors. And I think like that's, that is a, a really important first step to just be like, we're talking about this and we're not going to not talk about it anymore, you know, and, and, you know, thinking about, you know, after this whole session is done, being able to then look at your context and say, okay, what's a, what's a natural next step for us. Right. I love that. Thought, lingering thoughts. Yeah, you know, um, I think, you know, as a, when you bring kindergarten, it's, it's different at each level. Uh, and, and I think when you have, um, we have a, a preschool in our school district that, um, that starts with, um, with, with a really nice blended classrooms uh, yeah. that um, are representative. And, and I think then that carries into kindergarten where we, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of kindergarten students are, um, the gap there, there it's, it, you know, the assumption about learning there, there's all kinds of things that um, I feel like we um, at the primary level there, um, they start with more of a, uh, it's, it's more of an inclusive piece. Uh, mm -hmm. um, it hasn't been teased out necessarily to, uh, to be not a part of that. Um, uh, but at the same time, so looking at what we are doing, thinking about what, where are our strengths and how do we build off that? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know, what, one of the things I thought that for me took away was you're um, looking at barriers and, and I loved your uh, zip code uh, yeah. story. I, I need to try. I want to try to capture that somehow yeah. um, and share that with staff, because I think it really um, for me, it really illustrated that um, it's this this other piece is the barrier. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 again, doesn't have to do with. Uh, how much you want to do it or uh, your, any of those things. It's just the zip code is the, we don't have zip codes. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, and for me, that story really resonated well. And I think it would be good to share that something like that with staff that's um, that allows them to reflect on, okay, what's the zip code in my classroom? What am I putting up in my classroom that I don't even, 
I'm just not even thinking about is a huge barrier for learning for my kids. Uh, we've got them in the classroom, but what what's the what what about this math lesson is a zip code? What about this reading right. lesson puts a block up that the kid has no control over that then becomes a barrier? So well, and um, it it kind of like depersonalizes it. Like it's not about yeah, exactly something wrong. It's more just like some of us just need different things and need to navigate context in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, and I think it's one of those things you could, you could ask each of us, like, what's your zip code? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, everyone has one. (laughs) What's your barrier to whatever you want to do, right? Like what, what, and I think if we do that reflection piece, you know, when we, we did ACEs work and we're doing that constantly, but really the most powerful piece is a principle. Part of it was the kid, but also a piece of looking at our staff through that lens and staff looking at themselves of what, are, what's my ACEs score? Like if we put it on our set, like, like how does that, how do those things translate into how I teach and interact with everyone? And, and I think the same thing, you know, what's your barrier, what's your zip code barrier? We all have them. Uh, And if we can identify them in ourselves, I believe we can be more aware of them with our kids. So, yeah. Oh, it seems well. Okay. Here's my last question. Do you have any questions for me? You're free to come down and uh, do a little work with us once we get in person. Oh man, let me tell you, when that border opens, I can't, I'm going to do a whole road trip of all of my little Washington teams. Like I want to, last week I talked to the team on Whitby Island and I'm like, get a room ready people. (laughs) And now I'm like, you got to find the mountain, the Mount Pato. Yeah, there you go. Right? Yeah. No, don't at the top of the list. We'd, uh, I think, um, you know, having you come down and work with our administrative team and, uh, as a whole and then as as our staff would be uh uh would be we'd be better for it well it's a it's it's a really nice like the series that we're doing this year is a really nice foundation to build off of right like we're really getting through the big ideas like what's essential here what are what are some essential understandings and then um you know to dig in and just be like okay let's 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 do it let's actually try some things out so oh oh yeah no todd we'll be in touch sounds good (laughs) (laughs) okay friends last comments to the world anything you want to say to the world right now who might be in a similar situation to you kind of trying to be more equitable looking at you know trying to have those hard conversations looking ahead what what is your advice what would you say That trying and wanting that is is a good step. And even if it feels like it's going nowhere, <laughs> you're trying it, you want it, that's yep. it's gonna go somewhere. No, totally. My one of my favorite quotes is it's not about doing everything, it's about doing something all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Ah. Yeah, get started, get better, you know. Uh right? Totally. You know, I think Brian Haley and I are and Rachel and Jerry are better for it because we we're having those conversations together. So the more of those people you can uh, uh, get in the room to ha- have that conversation. Your system's better for that. So who's Jerry? We haven't talked about Jerry. He's our superintendent currently. Uh, Jerry. Yeah, get Jerry on board. That's a good person to have in your pocket. Hey, Jerry. Shout out to Jerry. Okay, <laughs> team 12. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've had such a lovely time. And I'll see you in a few hours. Yeah, you will. <laughs> yes. Sounds good, Shelly. Have a good morning. Bye, guys. Right, take care. Bye, Shelly.
Man, oh man. Oh, I love talking to people. So fun. Okay, so if you don't know Katie Jameson, you need to go find Katie Jameson. She is just such a phenomenal human. Um, I will put I will put in the podcast notes her uh, Instagram um, tag or what are those called handles so that you can follow her. She just is so, she's a storyteller. Um, she is oh she's just so real and so I mean I've talked to her before my podcast but. Um, if if you haven't had a chance to go and learn more about Katie and what she offers to this world, definitely go take a look. Um, just from like re-listening to our conversation, you know what I love, what I love about Katie is she's so reflective, right? Like she's so like, what can I learn from this? How can I dismantle my own biases and assumptions that are maybe like rooted in ableism? And why do I think this way? And what does this mean? And how do I let my child exist in her strength rather than trying to change who she is. And, you know, I think like from that parent perspective, that is just new for me. Like I'm just starting to have that perspective. Like, I think it's really important for us. Like this is why we need to keep parents in, in the loop um, when we're, when we're planning and working with our families and our kids, because like they just have this lens that we don't have as educators. Um, because they're not they're not our children right but what i think like that lens of that lens of parent is 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 so important um but i love how katie really talked about really talked about like just following the lead you know really like looking at kenzie and saying like what what is it that you are teaching us as opposed to what do we need to teach you and really extending that to that you know this isn't just about kenzie benefiting from inclusion but understanding that she's contributing to this environment because of exactly who she is not because she's changing or becoming normal or becoming like the other kids and if there's anything i want people to take away from all of our conversations about inclusion it's that kids aren't broken they don't need to be fixed and we can find ways to support them so that they can exist successfully and contribute in communities in ways that just embrace who they are and you know uh, if you follow along on Katie's journey Kenzie is so that she's like this is what I'm doing and I'm happy about it and you can join me or you can go and she just she's so strong and she's just such this like powerful little human that we can all learn from and I'm just so so excited to watch her grow and to stay connected with this family because oh, she is a force she is a force. It's just so good. Um, the other thing is I, re I really appreciated when Katie reflected on because at the beginning of the year, I told her, I did tell her, I said, I'm just like, do not advocate for one-to-one. -one, and she just didn't believe me. And I think that that is, you know, really coming back to that, the importance of peers there is that sometimes we don't anticipate that peers have a huge role in support um for all of for each other right and sometimes having that um body that adult body kind of hinders that and it's it's it actually creates a barrier and so it's so important you know that we still i still think we still need eas eas are very very important but to really really understand that it's more of a facilitated role rather than a replacement to um peer interaction and connection so um because we're talking about peers we're talking about peers that is definitely a big 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 takeaway from that conversation
With my second group, my team Pato, I just, I'm really thankful that they, um, what I'm really appreciating about all the teams that I'm working with is just like their honesty and just being like, this is where we're at and this is where we want to go. And, you know, really acknowledging the journey. And I think that a lot of the conversations that we're having with, with many different teams is, is just re like reminding me that this, this concept of inclusion isn't a destination. It's making really intentional choices um, to do better. And, that's what I'm seeing in all of the groups. And it looks a little bit different for everyone, depending on where they are and what their grades are and the experiences and the the beliefs and attitudes and all of the things that influence what happens on a day-to-day -day basis. But I just love, um, and I think it was Haley that's just, just like, you know what, like you get overwhelmed at how far you have to go. And then you just see these glimmers of hope where it's just like, okay, you know what, these are baby steps, but there's still steps and we're moving in the right direction. And I would rather work with a school that has a long way to go but they're willing to move, then work with a school who think they've got it masters and they're stuck, you know? And and so what I love about all these teams is that these teams have, have volunteered to be a part of this inquiry community that's moving forward and we're moving, we are moving forward. And so I'm excited to continue working with them. Um, I also really liked how the teams mentioned about the importance of intention and really understanding that you can't just apply kind of this training model to every single group without, and we talked about this before, but like without considering the diversity of, your, of the actual community um, and the strengths and stretches and needs of the community. And so really intentionally making decisions that A, presume competence in students, but also in staff in ways that are supportive, right? Like this isn't just about putting kids in classrooms. This is about how do we support communities to be meaningful, right? Meaningful for kids, meaningful for, for teachers, and um, understanding that sometimes those might be baby steps, but also understanding that you have to keep taking them, right? You can't take a baby step and being like, whoo, we're good for the year. No, we must always, always be getting better. And it's that commitment to moving. And even if they're small steps, as long as we're moving, we are engaging in inclusive practices. And the part that we get stuck on is like, oh yeah, we're inclusive. And we don't constantly are reflecting and seeing ways that we can improve. Because as soon as we say, yeah, we're inclusive here, that's when we get tricky. That's when we get stuck. It's kind of like the verb, like being an ally. Like, are you an ally if you are not um, actively engaging in allyship, right? Like it's it's a verb, it's, it's not necessarily a noun. And, and I really felt that connection with inclusion too. Like, can you say you're inclusive unless we are actively making actively making movement and actively taking action to move to move towards uh, more inclusive and equitable practices because it's not I just I don't you know I really don't think it's something that can be mastered right it's a competency how do we commit to getting better at this forever as we learn more and as we are starting to understand um, some of the major barriers in, in our in our educational system. But I think the part that I'm really taking away from all of our conversations is just like why this matters, why this is important, um, and how there is no other option than moving forward. So, oh, there, and that's where that hope sneaks in, right? That's where the hope sneaks in. Oh, my friends, thank you for joining me today. This has been really, really great. Um, I encourage you to reflect on um, the role of peers in, in your own life and in your own community, in your classroom, in your school, and just looking at um, the benefits that, you know, the social structures around us have in terms of support and in terms of challenging ourselves, in terms of, you know, connection, like all of these things are critical to community. And so if our kids don't have that, 
they're not going to feel very connected, right? And and so if we want kids to be a part of a community, we have to facilitate the connection with as many people as possible. And that's where that belonging is really going to come through. <sighs> Friends, you're the best. You're the best. Um, I can't wait to like um, go on this journey of motherhood and <laughs> fill you in on the little adventures along the way. Um, our next topic is purpose which is a really good one, which is yes, okay, they're there. Yes, they're connecting to peers, but what other areas of purpose can we um, really harness so that placement is really meaningful for not just for students with disabilities, but for all students. Um, and so that's going to be um, the next video that's coming out. Okay, my friends, you take it easy. I will see you. I will see you in our next episode. It won't be as delayed next time. And uh, yeah, definitely reach out if you have any questions and I will see you soon. You have been listening to the Five More Minutes podcast. This podcast was made possible through grant funding provided to the Association of Washington School Principals through the OSPI Inclusionary Practices Project. Visit awsp.org for more information and resources on inclusionary practices and leadership professional development.